0: You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleaver, Texas, and meets on Sundays. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleaver.com. So, this morning, uh, we're talking about worship. Now, a lot of people in the social media, TikTok, all that world, they talk bad about growing up in church. Growing up in church is, is never something that was traumatic for me. Now, there were some traumatic elements, but there's traumatic elements in all of childhood, okay? You know, I was the middle child I was the favorite child, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, I, I had to take care of all of my brothers and my family. You know, I was just such a blessing to my family, uh, but, it, you know, it was, it was, there was traumatic elements here and there uh, of, of, of being uh, a kid, but I have fond memories of church, and I remember in church when I was a kid that mom sang in the choir. Now, I, I have very vivid memories, okay? So I'm a, I'm a visual guy, and so I, when I have a memory, I see everything, okay? So they used to wear blue choir robes, you know what I'm talking about? The blue flowy choir. Then they had the little, the little thing that came here and then was pointy in the back, you know what I'm talking about? I'm not sure of the purpose of that, uh, other than to look fancy. Uh, but mom would sing in choir with my grandma every Sunday. So guess what I got to do? And dad ran sound. Okay. He, it was great. But that was back when, like, you had the preacher and the choir mics. That was it, okay? It's a little bit more complicated these days, okay? Uh, and, and so dad would run sound. And so I sat with my papa. okay? Now, growing up, I went to a very traditional Baptist church. We sang out of the 1991 Baptist hymnal until it was the early 2000s. Then they brought in, then they brought in the devil. They brought in drums and guitars, and we were all going to hell, right? Okay? But growing up, I sat with my grandpa, and I prayed every Sunday, please, Lord, don't let victory in Jesus be in the service, right? (laughs) And you're like, wow, that's a great song. You're right. It is a great It was a great song. Until my papa got a hold of it. Uh, Now my papa, he he loves the Lord, but he can't sing. Okay, like I don't know where I got it from, but it wasn't papa. Okay, Uh, and we the bad part is he didn't care. Now you could hear my papa. My papa would used to come up, and he was a deacon, so he would pray before the offering, Uh, and he didn't need a mic. Like the whole room could hear him. But somehow, you know, the little omnidirectional mic they'd put on the pulpit, somehow Paul Paul thought that i just lean into this thing, right? And he'd go, <laughs> it's like, Pawpaw, we can hear you without the mic, calm down, right? Uh, but we would get to the chorus of victory in Jesus, and he'd go, I hate her, who hate her, right? And I'm sitting there going, uh, I'm not gonna have any friends in church ever again. <laughs> But my grandpa worshiped Jesus with all he has. And, and he wanted Jesus to hear his joyful noise. And that's what it is. It was a joyful noise. It, it was, there was not a whole lot of joy to it. It was more of a noise than joyful. But that that was my childhood. Now, like I said, nothing wrong with my childhood. But some things shifted for me as I got a little older. You know the stand up and sing the hymns that that didn't make my heart come alive now, some of you that makes your heart come alive and that's that's great that's awesome it it just didn't and even in the Baptists, we went to traditional or more contemporary music with drums, bass, guitar, and you know they would they would stand up there and clap and, and do this number and 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 but then then I got a hold of the assemblies of god yeah. right and the, and then I walked in and and I'm like, I think these people are worshiping a different God than I did. And I'm like, they're going after it, right? I went to my first Assembly of God service was a youth service, and their youth service made the adults look bad. I'm like, man, what's going on here? I'm like, there's something different here, and it almost felt as if the presence of the Lord from the second we walked in just entered into the room. And now I went from I went from. Then there was, again, hear me, and I'm not talking bad about anybody. I went from the way I grew up to, who oh, man, it's almost going from the outer courts to the inner courts. You know what I mean? And some of you that have done both understand, and, and sometimes I go back to those traditions or I have to go to a funeral in a church that, and I'm just like, I'm so thankful that we get to go to, into the inner courts. And our worship team does a great job of taking us into the inner courts all the time. And so, you know, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, inner courts, put a pause. I'll get there today. So this morning is lesson six and lessons in the lessons from the kings. Let me recap you to where we are now. David was the king, but he died, gave it over to Solomon. God came to Solomon in a dream and said, You can have one thing. He didn't pick a Lamborghini, he picked wisdom. Praise the Lord. Uh, and he had the wisdom to lead God's people. We saw last week that he was using that wisdom to lead God's people in the way that they needed to go. And the nation was, was, was doing great things and they were abundant and they were blessed. Now God focus shifts his focus. If you were here the first week of this series, I, I I talked about 1 Kings chapter 5, and this is 1 Kings chapter 6. So I know I've kind of gone out of order, but this is the construction of the temple. So let me give you some facts. This happened 480 years after the Exodus from Egypt. Now remember, a whole generations of people had to die off. So this is 480 years after they left Egypt. And it was built in the fourth fourth year of Solomon's reign and took seven and a half years to complete. So today we're looking at lessons from the construction of Solomon's temple. So if you have your Bibles, grab them. You can go to 1 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 2. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry about it. Scan the QR code there in the chair in front of you. Scan or scan down to sermon notes, and you can follow along with me there. Uh, quick housekeeping note. Today is Hope Connect. If you are signed up for Hope Connect, uh, Great. You can join us. If you aren't signed up for Hope Connect, one of those awesome things is we had to close the registration because the room is full. Uh, And so if you are in Hope Connect, soon as service is over, go out the kid's door right here. and It's the first room on your right. I hear that there is homemade cinnamon rolls that will be served. And if you haven't signed up for Hope Connect yet, where you been? You can scan the QR code there and share it in front of you. Uh, do we have the next one up? Well, don't look for it. I don't think we have the next registration up, uh, but we will. Now, now they're working on it right now, now that I said that, okay? So let's get into it. Lessons from the construction of Solomon's temple. 1 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 2. The temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 45 feet high. The entry room at the front of the temple was thirty feet wide, running across the entire width of the temple. It projected outward fifteen feet from the front of the temple. Solomon also made narrow recess windows through the temple. So basically, this is a plan. It's showing. It's describing what the temple looked like. But where I want you to hear is that that first sentence in chapter or verse two, the temple that Solomon built for the Lord. He built it for the Lord. So my first point today in lessons for the construction of Solomon's temple is number one, God desires to dwell among his people. God's desire, the desire of the heart of God, is to dwell among his people. The temple, which housed the Ark of the Covenant, symbolizes God's presence and character. It represented God's desire to live amongst his people. It was a visible sign and a pledge of his covenant relationship with his people, built to honor God. The name of God is holy, which means it is complete, perfect, pure, and separate from all evil. So God wanted to know and be known and worshiped by Israel as the one and sanctifier of his people. But did you catch that? Did you catch that that God God's desire, the one true living God, his desire is to live among you. God wants to dwell with you. God doesn't want to be separated from you. He wants to dwell within his people. And you see, from Moses to Solomon, God did what he could. He, the Ark of the Covenant in which God's presence dwelt, he wanted a place for it to dwell permanently so that God could be permanently amongst his people. Now, what is our job? Our job is to give God a dwelling place worthy of his spirit. That'll preach. Somebody got you. Some of that, I see some of you writing it down. The rest of you didn't get it, okay? Our job is to give God a dwelling place worthy of his spirit. Notice that was what Solomon was wanting to do. He was giving God a dwelling place worthy of his spirit. This was the most elaborate temple that there is. There's actually still portions of this temple that can be seen in Israel, I believe, to this point. I've never been, would like to go. Due to the the current circumstances, it's probably going to be a while. Uh, But this was a magnificent dwelling place for God. Now fast forward, this is Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus tore the veil. If you don't know what that means, is he tore the veil in the temple so the spirit of God can dwell within us. God's spirit dwells within you now. But have you given him a temple that is worthy of him dwelling in you? I think oftentimes we just expect, well, I'm saved. God's presence should dwell within me. And we have this entitled, we, we have this entitled attitude, but what we see here is Solomon built and worked hard to give him a place that was worthy of the presence of God in dwelling in that place. So my question for you today is your heart in such a way that God can dwell within you. Skip down to verse 11. Then the Lord God Then the Lord gave this message to Solomon. Concerning this temple you are building, if you keep all my decrees and regulations and obey all of my commands, I will fulfill uh, through you the promise I made to your father David. I will live among the Israelites, and I will never abandon my people Israel. Number two, God's Spirit is attracted to our obedience. God's spirit is attracted to our obedience. Now, some of you are like, pastor, you said this a lot during this series. Well, maybe I'm trying to make a point. <laughs> However, the temple gave no absolute guarantees of God's presence only as long as his people rejected all other gods and followed God's laws and instruction. The, histo- the history recorded in First and Second Kings reveals God's people's tragic and repeated failure to meet this condition of obedience. These are encouraging words, putting God's blessing on the building of the temple. God was with Solomon in the massive undertaking and he would recognize the temple as his dwelling place among his people. This promise takes in two aspects of the, the Davidic covenant. The first, God established for David a lasting dynasty and declared that his son Solomon would be the one to build the house of the Lord. God established to David that that his line would always rule and reign. Fast forward, Jesus was from the line of David. So God fulfilled that covenant with David, but Solomon was the one that got to build the temple. Solomon, in order to experience the blessings of the Davidic covenant, must exhibit the faith and obedience of David towards the word of God. God was looking for obedience from Solomon, obedience from Israel. And he said, if you are obedient to me, I will dwell with you forever. If you keep my commands and don't love other gods before me. Here's the problem. We want all of God's presence. We want all of God's presence without obedience. We want God to come and move, but we don't want to follow his commands. We want God to pour all of his blessings down, and we deserve the presence of God. But listen, you know, loving your neighbor, do you know my neighbor? I think God understands. Y'all ever say that? I think God understands. We take that out of our vocabulary, okay? Because the God of the universe took the pains to make sure that we have the Word of God the way that it is with us in our own language today so that we can understand it. He's not making special exemptions for you just because it makes you uncomfortable. The problem is we want to pick out these verses and go, listen, listen. Do you know the Bible says that? But what's the context here? What's the context? And we have to be students of the word. We have to understand the word. Guys, in our lives, how well would it go for us if we did not follow the rules at our job? If you just suddenly decided... To do whatever you wanted at your job. Like listen you're paying me. But I'm going to sit here on my computer on YouTube all day. What do you think would happen? Your boss would fire you right? But what you say to your boss. Listen boss. Listen. Have grace upon me. Have grace. I did not understand. I was not supposed to watch YouTube. On my computer during work. We would expect grace We would get fired anyway, and it would be our fault. But here's the problem. We expect the the same from God. Listen, I know you've given me all these rules, and and I'm not going to follow any of them, but you better pour your blessings down upon me. And God's like, it doesn't work that way. Now listen, we serve a loving, faithful, gracious God that pours his grace down upon us, even though we don't deserve it. But once we know that, he says, keep my commands. Not live however you want to. The problem is, we want to come into church, we want, to, we want to cry, we want to praise the Lord, have the ugly cry and the snot coming out there, and we want to go out in our lives and do whatever the heck we want to. And then we're surprised when our life's falling apart. Like, why do you hate me, Lord? He's like, I don't hate you. I told you all the rules, you're not following it. and then you're surprised when your life's going wrong just speaking for God today. Okay. Good news is he's not as frustrated as me (laughs) because he's perfect. But guys, I want every Sunday for the deep presence of the Lord to be in this room. But it only gets here when we are people worthy of its inhabitants. And if we won't do that, if we want to lie in our hearts, if we, if we just roll in here and say, I'm here, we can't be surprised when God only meets us at the level that we come at. Now, sometimes God is willing to push us, but sometimes he's like, listen, I've been, I've been trying to pull you along all week. I'm glad you showed up, but come on, let's go. Some of y'all are getting this. Some of you are like, man, man pastor's upset today. I don't know what the deal is. Had to run sound for a women's conference all day. That's what's wrong. It was amazing. It was great. So blessed, so blessed to be a part. First Kings chapter six, verse 19. He prepared the inner sanctuary at the far end of the temple, where the Ark of the Lord's covenant would be placed. His this inner sanctuary was thirty feet long, thirty feet wide, and thirty feet high. He overlaid the inside with solid gold. He also overlaid the altar made of cedar. Then Solomon overlaid the rest of the temple interior with solid gold and he made gold chains to protect the entrance to the most holy place. So he finished overlaying the entire temple with gold, including the altar that belonged to the most holy place. You know what I'm thinking of when I hear this? We just got done with the construction. I'm like, could you imagine how much this cost? He overlaid everything with gold. Everything but this is what housed the presence of God. Don't you think that God deserves our best and finest materials? That's not in the notes, but that's for somebody. Number three, God desires us to go to the inner courts. God design desire is for us to go to the inner courts. The inner sanctuary was the most holy place of the holies of holies, because it housed the Ark of the Covenant, a symbol of God's presence. God told Moses that He would meet him there and give him all of the commands for the Israelites. Thus, the Ark in the Most Holy Place is the focal point of the temple and the temple rituals, not as an object of worship or uh, superstitious awe, but as a place where God manifested His presence in the converse with his people. Now listen, no one could enter the most holy place unless they had been cleansed, unless they had been gone through spiritual cleansing, unless that they had, had, been, uh, had gone through a time in which they confessed their sins, made sacrifices for those sins. In fact, there was times that the priests would enter into the holiest of holies and what they would do is tie a rope around their waist. You know why they tie a rope around their waist? So if there was sin in their life and they dropped down dead, they wouldn't stinketh up the holiest of holies, right? They'd pull their body up, right? How, how comfortable would you be? It's like, listen, bro, you know, we, we know you said you did what you did, but here we go. You're going to do great. Go with God, <laughs> right? I mean, but here's the thing. If there was any unrighteousness, in them, it's not that God struck them dead. It's that we serve such a holy God that he could not be in the presence of unrighteousness and the unrighteousness fleed from him causing death to the person. And that's why everyone says, well, does a loving God send people to hell? No, 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 no. A loving God sends no one to hell. A loving God made a way so that all could choose him. Here's the thing. We choose to deny him. We choose to not do what he has called us to do. And if there is sin in our life, we cannot be in the presence of God. That sin will flee. So God is really doing them a favor by sending them off to hell. Because if they were in his presence, they could not stand. But we put all of this on God when really the onus is on us. I have given you all that you were called to do. Get all of the unrighteousness out of your life. Guys, if we want a mighty move of God, we have to do our part. We cannot expect God to move if there is unrighteousness in our hearts. Guys, we can't expect to walk into this place live like H-E-double hockey sticks the rest of the week and then just expect God to just meet us and, and audibly speak to us this morning. Now he can, but you got a little work to do before you get there. Sometimes we have to get down in the altar, get on our hands and knees and say, Lord, I've sinned. I've messed up. The problem is, In our society, we don't like that accountability. Growing up, our mamas told us that we were special. We won a trophy even if we didn't win a game. They passed us in school even if we didn't pass a class. And then we're surprised when God says, listen, halfway's not good enough for me. And so what I'm saying to you this morning is I want... This church to be full of of a move of the Spirit. But do you know how we're gonna get there? If we are all in line and in tune with Him, if our hearts are righteous, if we, we give Him a sanctuary worthy of His presence. That's how we will truly see a mighty move of God. And guys, I mean, we're seeing it. Like I said, we, we've got a Hope Connect, which is our membership class full of new people. So full we had to shut it off. We've got 14 people getting baptized in the second service. And there's, I think there's two or three in this first service. And you're like, why, why is there not as many in the, in the first? Most of our growth happens in the second service. Okay. I got most of my saved people in this service. That doesn't mean that you can't get saved though. Okay. I'm just saying that that's just how our church is. People don't like to get up early for church unless it's a habit for them. So our lost people are coming to the 1130 or 11 o'clock. It's 1130, 11 o'clock. What, what time service start? Anybody? 11. Cool. We've only changed it like 52 times since I've been your pastor. So it, we're, we're trying to find the right time. This seems to be the right time. So I don't plan on changing it until Christmas. We're going to have one service, but hey, bear with me. It'll be great. Okay. But what are our transformational moments today? What are our transformational moments today? If, if you're new here at Hope Church, always try to, to wrap us up with some good things. Uh, and one of, our, one of our vision tenets here at Hope Church is we're all about transformed lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. We be transformation happens in moments. And so what are our moments of transformation this morning? Number one, is your heart a suitable dwelling place of God? Is your heart... A suitable dwelling place for God. Now, listen, that means all strife is out of our hearts. That means forgiveness has been offered to those that deserve it. That means all of those vices that hold us back from encountering the presence of God, that is what God expects from us. And He also expects humility. The problem, I think, in which we have trouble experiencing the full presence of God is we've made church consumerism. You know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of people paying to go to Christian concerts because, and there's nothing wrong with it, okay? There's nothing wrong with it. So stay with me for a second. But when we make Christian consumerism, we believe that we can pay for something that God can give us all the time. I don't, have to go, I don't have to go see Elevation Worship or Hillsong or Maverick City. I don't have to go see them to experience the, the very presence of God. I can experience that in my room by myself. But the problem is when, when we think we pay that, we, we're paying money for that mountaintop experience, that that's, that's how we do it. Listen, Jesus paid it all. So we can have it for free. But God wants our heart to be aligned so that he can dwell with us. Y'all get me? I'm not anti-elevation or, or Maverick City. I just, it is what it is. Growing, growing trend I see as a pastor. Number two, do you live a life that the spirit of God is attracted to? Do you live a life that the spirit of God is attracted to? Guys, I think sometimes we just think that God should pour down His Spirit upon us because we are awesome, right? You know, some of us get out of, get out of bed, and we're, we're, float, we're so awesome, we're floating this far off, the, off the, the carpet, right? Some of you have hard floors, so you're floating this far, right? And we just expect that God should But God's very clearly telling us, I will dwell with you if you keep my commands. So how's your heart? Only you know that. I don't know that. It's not my job to know that. It's just my job to preach the word and step on on your toes and make you mad and mess up your schedule. Some of you are still like... I'm so mad. I'm so mad worships at the end. I'm just going to leave. Well, it's all right. God's spirit will dwell with us because our hearts are right. All right. Number three, do you need to confess to God and move into his intercourts? Now, if you understand the construction of the temple, there was, there was many courts. And as you became closer to God, you moved into another layer of the courts, but the innermost was designed for the priests and those that, that, that could cleanse themselves and offer sacrifices for the masses. Now, because of the cross, because Jesus went to the cross to die for all of our sins, now we are the priest. We can appeal to everyone. We can enter in to the innermost courts. The way we do that is we cleanse ourselves. Now, listen. You don't need sacrifices. I don't need the, the usher team to bring in baby, baby sheep so you can slit their throats. Okay, us Americans would be very, very, you know, like, <laughs> what is going on? Right? I mean, that's that's what they did. We don't have to do that because Jesus died the most gruesome death imaginable for your sins oftentimes we take that for granted and expect that cheap grace let me tell you grace wasn't cheap it cost Jesus everything in the most gruesome painful death that you can imagine and once you imagine it it was probably even worse than that the passion of the Christ if you've seen the movie it's tough to watch but that was just a taste of what it was like His body was beaten. He was probably not even recognizable as a human. He was so bad. And you know why Jesus did this? Not to make you feel bad. He did this because he loved you. And he wanted to dwell among his people. That's why he did it. He wanted eternal access to us. Because what's, what's separating us? Sin. So here's how we're going to wrap this up today. First and foremost, I'm going to give an opportunity to those that need to begin a relationship with Jesus because I think that's important. I can't preach a message like this and not give that. But after that, I'm going to encourage those of you that have given your hearts to Jesus, I'm going to encourage you to move to the inner courts. Now, now, this isn't going to be about you this morning, okay? So, I'm sorry. Get mad at me. It's fine. Usually we have people up here to pray. We're not going to do that this morning, okay? Because I want you to spend some time with the Lord. We've, we've provided some time at the end so that you can just dwell in his presence. I think sometimes we're like, oh, man, man, I've got to beat the Baptist. Cotton patch I've got to go, right? Okay, you got plenty of time cotton pass doesn't open till 11 okay you have to be gone by 11.15 so we will this service will be done at 11.15 we got to otherwise I can't clear the parking lot enough for the next service what time am I say 10.45 sorry dang it I was like we gonna worship we gonna worship yeah if you didn't say anything I'll just let you go we brought in the next service be like let's go the Lord's here We'll be all right. Man, I can't get that thirty out of my head, but it's fine. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. Now, if this makes you uncomfortable, good. I'm glad. That's what, that's what we need to do. We need to get closer to the Lord. I would encourage some of you just to, to kneel at the altar in His presence. That's what I'm going to do. Because it helps me humble my heart at His feet. So those of you that are sitting there this morning, I'm going to have Terry dim the lights and you're like, Pastor, you're, you're talking about a relationship with Jesus, but I don't know that I have that. I'm going to encourage you this morning in just a moment to pray a prayer with me. Now, there's nothing magical about this prayer, but what you are symbolizing is you're saying to the Lord that I want to begin a relationship with you. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes all over the room. And I'm going to ask you, if that's you, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And you can do it silently there in your chair. I'm not looking to embarrass you, but this is you and God. You are giving your life to him. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need your love in my life. Forgive me where I failed you. I give my heart to you today. Take my life. Use it for your purpose. In Jesus' name.